Hey everyone, it's James Lynch here at Lynch on Sports on social media, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name's Kobe. Today I've got Justin with me. We're going to talk a little UFC because UFC 280 is coming up and it is maybe the most stacked card in UFC history. Justin, how's it going? Oh, I'm so excited for this. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm amped for this one, man. And it's uh, like, for me, it's tough because uh, for those of you that have visited our website, and if you haven't, definitely do so. We've got a lot of different information on a lot of different sports on our website, but I handle the UFC predictions. So for an event like this where it is very difficult to predict. I get a little, I get a little antsy. I get a little nervous leading up to it because I don't want to look like an idiot because I know you're trusting me to, to get you the right information. And I've analyzed some of these fights over and over and over again. I've flipped back and forth a couple of different times on specific predictions, but I've made my stamp. The article's up on the website. Go ahead and check it out. And I've got a few of my favorite bets as well. But where do you want to begin? I mean, well, let's talk about let's talk the main card, and there's an additional fight I want to talk at the end. But you want to start at the bottom of the card, Justin? You want to start start at the top of the card? Uh, we're gonna make them our fans listen to the end of the podcast. So let's start from the bottom of the card. Okay, so like I said, this is stacked. So there isn't a fight on the main card that you know I'm gonna be willing to to step away from, and maybe you know heat up some wings or something. I'm going to, I'm going to want to watch <laughs> this card from the beginning to the end. So the first fight's got Caitlin Chikagian versus Manon Fioro. And th- this is crazy to begin with. It's, mm. it's a perfect matchup. It's striker versus striker. It's an up and comer versus a seasoned veteran. Yep. And the one dark cloud that hangs over all of this is the bullet. Valentina Shevchenko, who, although Caitlin Chikagian is, maybe the number two in the division right now. She's a distant number two from Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko absolutely dismantled her when they fought, but she has now become this like high level gatekeeper for a shot at the bullet and Manon Fioro is the next one up. Like, What's your feelings on this fight, Justin? Okay. So as you mentioned, yes, obviously this is kind of potentially passing of the torch gatekeeper or very high gatekeeper moment, if you will, uh, to get a shot at that sweet, sweet gold. Now, my thing with Menon, uh, yes, she's nine and one. She does have like one loss in a record, but she's known for her fights getting canceled last second. Jessica I, cancellation. Jessica Andrade, cancellation. Now, it could just be a Jessica thing. It could sure. just be. But this technically should go through. So I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is if she can keep up with the veteran. I do think she's going to struggle with a veteran, though, because she's on a nine-fight win streak. She is due for a loss. I wouldn't be surprised if she won. However, I don't think she can do it. Okay, so this is one of the ones I had serious trouble with, all right? Serious trouble. And 
when I finally put pen to paper and uploaded, I decided to go with Fioro to win this. Okay, so I've picked her to win, and and here's why. Yep. I think Caitlin is maybe the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Yes. Caitlin is by far the more veteran mixed martial artist. But I just think Fioro is on on another level when it comes to how aggressively and how precise she strikes. So where Caitlin's been able to to beat people, she's been able to keep them at distance. She's tall, she's long, and she again, she's going to have a reach advantage in this fight as well. And she's able to use a very crisp jab to keep her opponents at bay. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work with Fioro because there's going to be a battle here to get sort of outside foot position. And Fioro, I believe, is the faster fighter. So I have a feeling she's going to find better angles. And I okay. don't think, unlike some other fighters who don't have the, the striking uh, finesse or skills of Caitlin Jukagian, I think Fioro is such a good striker that Caitlin's not going to be able to dictate the fight and keep her at bay. I, I think she's going to be able to close distance and take it to her. And that, that's why I have a feeling she's going to win this. I think it's going to go the distance. I really mm-hmm. do. But I think she's going to win it on point. I think she's going to be the more, the more active fighter. I too think it's going to go the distance. I am just going to still keep my position that uh, Caitlin's got it. Yeah, no, I, I I don't blame you. Like I said, this is a, this was a difficult one for me too because I really like Caitlin Jukajian. Okay, I I really like her. I like her skill set. I've picked her in many fights previous to this. I just feel like Manon's on such a, a rise right now, and just a younger, faster fighter. I have a feeling that's going to be enough. But again, it could go either way. You're going to hear that for a lot of these fights. Yeah, like our next one. Like our next one. So we got Benil Dariush, who I am a fan of. Okay? I, mean, I, I, I am a fan of Benil Dariush because he constantly proves the detractors wrong. I think it's a number of things. One, he doesn't talk a lot of smack. Two, nice. he looks really calm when he fights. He, he doesn't ever look aggressive. He, he doesn't really look, you know, like he's trying to kill his opponent. He just he just uses precision striking footwork and well-timed takedowns to beat opponents. Mm-hmm. It's not flashy, right? It, it doesn't grab a lot of attention, but he does what he does so well. And he's like the, I mean, pun intended, he's like the king of King's MMA. The gym he fights for, everyone's behind him. It's all about him. He sort of represents that gym. And I think in this case, Gamro is an up-and-comer. Yeah. He's relatively new and he's got a full head of steam coming into this fight, but I don't think he's ever fought anyone as calm and skilled and, and has that veteran mentality as Benil Darius. I think Darius is going to do what he's been doing to everybody, which is I may come in as the underdog, but after a couple of rounds, you're going to realize what was I thinking? This guy just isn't, he's just not on his level. People forget that Darius was like one fight away from a title shot. Yeah. I, I like Gamro. I like what he can do. He's a great wrestler, but um, I saw something in that Armin Sarukian fight that made me lose a little bit of the hype on Mateus Gamro. And that's Armin Sarukian was strong enough to, to prevent him from dominating him. Even though Gamro was a better wrestler and stuck to his wrestling regimen once, you know, they got into deep waters, he realized, oh man, I could lose this fight unless I control Sarukian and he was able to dictate the fight and come at him but 
he wasn't really able to do much because Sarukian was just strong enough and skilled enough to prevent him from dealing any damage. Personally, I thought Armour Sarukian won that fight. Okay, I, yes. I think he won that last fight. Most people will say Gamera won it just by the amount of top position he had. But, I mean, if you're just holding a guy down, you're not really winning the fight. You're just stalling the fight. Yes. So, I, I I don't know. I don't think he can do that to Darius. I think he's just – but Benil Darius is just too smart. He's a better he's a better grappler than Sarukian. I like Darius here. What about you? I fully agree. I'm 100% behind Darius. Like I said, he's just more – he's not flashy. He's very calm. He's calculated. I do feel like Gamrit kind of gets in his own head a little bit. Like So, okay, so just before we get to the Amaran fight – Gamron had won by KO, submissioned KO again, all before three rounds. So it was round two early on, round one submission, like a minute in or whatever it was. And then round two, um, it was another KO. So it's like pretty decently quick. It was late in round two, but still, like he doesn't know what it's like to go the full limit that often. So yeah. to take himself to the brink of that, which was Ar like with Armin, and you're right, he did have top position, but he wasn't doing much. He was checking the clock more than anything else. That's right. He Right, because, well, I mean, some say he was looking for at his coaches. Bullshit, he was looking at the clock. Like, I'm calling it right now. He was like, oh, my God, I have, like, three more minutes of this. Tap, tap, smother. That's all he was doing. He was tapping and smothering. That's all it was. Yeah. So I think if Benil can stay out of top position almost, like, out of his top, so I guess guard, he'll be fine. If he keeps it to this, if he keeps it to striking, and or if he goes to that quick, flashy submission, then I think he'll be fine. But now has more ways of winning than Gamrut. So I'm going to put my bet on Dariush. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there too. I think he's a better striker. And I think his his grappling game is good enough to sweep when necessary, to avoid takedowns. I have a feeling it won't take long before Gamrut decides to like just push for takedowns over and over and over again. And I don't know if that's going to work. So you know, again, interesting one to go with here. Vanille Darius is the underdog once again. I'm going with the underdog, so Justin. But I, quite often he's the underdog, and quite often he gets his hand raised. So I wouldn't put much stock in in what Vegas says when it comes to Vanille Darius. The next fight, I can't wait for. I can't wait for this fight. We got Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. When I think of this fight, it, it makes me think of. It actually reminds me of baseball to a certain degree. And when I say that, it's because in baseball, you get these like very well-touted home run hitters or guys with a 95 to 100 mile per hour fastball who just own everybody in the minor leagues. And then they get the call up. Everyone's excited. And the home run hitter can't, can't touch a ball. <laughs> and the guy with the 100 mile per hour Fastball gets taken out of the park his first time out. And this yes. is what it feels like to me. It feels like Sean O'Malley is taking a massive step up in competition mm -hmm. and he's just going to get a rude awakening from Peter Jan. I think it would not surprise me if this fight goes to maybe a doctor stoppage. Oh, <laughs> or, wow. Or depending on who the the um, referee is, if they step in and stop it, it would not surprise me if maybe late in the second round or early in the third round, if Peter Jan is, is seriously punishing Sean O'Malley. Now, if Sean O'Malley can keep, if he's learned something from his last couple of fights where he's been tagged in the legs constantly, mm -hmm. if he's learned something from that and has adjusted in such a way that he can keep his legs from being pounded by Peter Jan, 
then maybe his momentum and his his length will be enough to to go the distance in this fight. I still think he loses it. But to me, there's only two ways this, this fight ends. It's either Peter Yan just demolishes him or Sean O'Malley's footwork is good enough and his his jab and such as long kicks and such is good enough to keep the fight going to the end, but he still loses on points. What do you see? So keep in mind. So Sugar Sean, okay, let's let's really kind of put this in perspective. Sugar Sean is a beast, like in terms of his height. Mm-hmm. He is gross. He has a huge long reach. It is not even fair. Like, I mean, good on him. Not going to lie. But also just like, really, dude? Seriously? Like, whatever. And the weight, obviously the same, but the reach. So Peter Jan's reach is 170 centimeters versus Sugar Sean's is almost 183. Yeah, it's like a five inch or something, four or five inch reach advantage. That's that's disgusting. Significant. Yeah. So it's like, what, 13, divide that by two. So like seven and a half or uh, six and a half reach on each side. Bro, bro, what are you doing with that? Right? The ages are about the same, 27, 29. But like you said, Sugar Sean has essentially just been like, he's been he's been kept clean. He's been fighting these, uh, what, what do they call them? Cans, I believe they call them. Just so, cans I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that's, that's not fair to say to Pedro Munoz. But again, that was a no contest, right? And Munoz won yes. the first round and before, then oh. it ended. So what can you say, right? He got lucky that can was on resale. I don't know. <laughs> but basically, you're right. This is Sugar Sean's first test. Now, Peter Yan is on a two-fight losing streak. Mind you, it's been to the champion. Slash first time wasn't the champion. It was in legal knee, which he was winning. Yeah. So you could argue it's one and one. <laughs> you, could, you could argue. You can make the argument. And I get it. I get it. I'm behind you. Now, if Peter Yan loses again for a third time, I don't think he's going to get kicked out of the UFC. No way. No. What I do think is going to happen is his confidence is absolutely shot. If he's 16 and four after leaving this, Peter Yan needs to do some soul searching because this guy, I don't know if he can take it. So for Peter, for me, this is a Peter Yan redemption fight against an up and coming. I mean, some say he's not up and coming. His first test, Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm going to give it to Peter Yan because okay. I think he's hungrier. I think Sugar is going to come in way too confident. But like you said, I can see this going to a doctor stoppage. I can see, like you said in, early on, I can see it going either way. Sean using his reach advantage and like speed versus Peter Yan using his power and speed. It's going to be a speed. It's going to be a quick fight, but it's going to be doctor stoppage or KO. Nothing else. No submissions, no distance. That's it. <laughs> okay. So you don't think it's going to go the distance? No, I don't. See, I think, I think the reason I think it could go the distance is I think I say this in the, in the, in the article I wrote, but I, I don't think Sean O'Malley's ever been hit as hard as he's about to be hit. Mm-hmm. I think early on in the first round, Jan's going to catch him with something, whether it be one of his like devastating low kicks or a combination to the body or something. Yep. And it's going to be like this ridiculous wake up call for O'Malley. Like, Oh my God, I, I could, I could get really hurt in this fight. Like, I could get significantly hurt here. Yep. And that may be enough for him to dance, right. To try and dance his way around Perion for the next couple of rounds. And that, that's why I think there's a possibility it goes the distance. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, Sean O'Malley is fighting for two things. One, he's he's fighting because he wants to eventually get a shot at the the title in the bantamweight yep. division. But secondly, he's also fighting for his notoriety. Right? He's he's a big media guy. He's a marketer. So it doesn't look good on you if you get stopped. Like he almost did. Right. It does not look good on you. So I wouldn't, I don't know, man. It's like, 
it wouldn't surprise me if he he'd rather dance around for a couple of rounds and not really strike back, but go the distance as opposed to getting finished and have that that sort of dark spot on his record. Yeah, you know what I can see. You think uh, Peter Young has enough in the tank though to kind of muster that? I think Peter Young could. He could definitely stand around and and wait for Sugar Sean to come at him. Yeah, you will see. We'll see again. I love this card, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. (laughs) Okay, let's go on to the next one. Another one that's difficult to pick. Now, the Peter Young, Sean O'Malley, for me, that was easy. I I do not see Sean O'Malley winning that fight. I'm all in on Peter Young. Okay, so now we got... Aljamain Sterling, Bantamweight champion versus TJ Dillashaw. Now, here's what I love about this fight. Mm -hmm. What are we going to get from TJ Dillashaw? We do not know. We don't know. If Dillashaw is back to 100%, Dillashaw wins this fight. If he's back to 100%, he wins this fight. I'm betting that he's not. I'm betting that he's not back to 100%. And that that's Mm -hmm. enough for Aljamain Sterling to win when you add in the time off that Dillashaw has had as well, being a little bit rusty and not a hundred percent, but I could be wrong. He could be in the, his best shape ever. Like he, he claims to be. And if he is, I honestly think he picks Aljamain Sterling apart. So I had a hard time with this one. I went back and forth on this one, but I'm going to go with the surging Aljamain Sterling, the confidence that he now possesses after his, that win against Peter Yan against mm-hmm. a TJ Dillashaw that maybe isn't 100% sure about where he's at and where his game's at. Well, what do you see? I want Dillashaw to win because I feel like it would be an amazing story. And I'm all about narratives. You know, TJ Dillashaw, Killashaw, Double Double Billashaw, whatever his thing is. <laughs> the bad guy. The bad guy. And he's so good at playing the bad guy. <laughs> he's so good. I love it. However, I don't think he can. You're right. He's 36. He's getting old. He had that layaway, that like that um, steroid testing. <laughs> the PED fail. PED fail, mm-hmm. where apparently he like pissed through a cup, like, <laughs> through it, it like dissolved. Um, so yes, I do think Aljamain, with his confidence, unlike Peter Yan, I feel like Aljamain has confidence, but he understands. I feel like Aljamain's smart enough to realize he was losing the fight against Peter Yan the first time, and that it was a blessing that Peter threw the knee. So concussion and all. That's the reason he has the title. Then he defended it, which is great. Now he's on a high. Everyone told him he couldn't do it. He was he was underdog. I bet on the underdog because underdogs love to show up during UFC. Yeah, nicely done. Right? Mm. Same with Usman. Thank you, Usman, <laughs> for taking that sweet head kick. But moving forward, I do think Aljamain Sterling will do this. He's proven to me after the Peter Yan fight, he's more than just throwing punches and kicks. He's strategic. He'll wait till he sees his opening. He reminds me a lot of uh, Mighty Mouse, actually. The way he goes at it, the way he kind of stalks his opponent from afar at first and knows when to throw a knee versus like when to go for a grapple. And if you just saw Mighty Mouse win the title recently over in 1FC, He did the same thing. He waited and waited until that guy was dizzy enough to land that knee. I see Aljamain Sterling do the exact same thing. Psyching out Dillashaw until Dillashaw makes a mistake and then gets met with an elbow, knee, or a submission takedown. Okay. All right. I'm with with you there. I I do think that it's just a matter of timing. Maybe Dillashaw should have had one more fight before he fought for the championship. 
maybe that would have been the difference. But right now, it just it just feels like it's a bit early. It's too soon. You know? I agree. But if we're wrong, okay, if we're wrong, and let's say you get what you want and TJ wins, okay? Yeah. If Dillashaw is back to 100%, I don't know if there's somebody in the division right now that can challenge him. I want to see Peter Yan versus Dillashaw. See, I don't think Yan, I don't think Yan has a good chance against Dillashaw. I don't think he matches up well against Dillashaw at all because Yan wants to fight in the pocket and Dillashaw never does. And that's fair. Right? Yeah. That's that's the issue. Yan would have a very difficult time with Dillashaw. O'Malley would have a difficult time with Dillashaw. He just it just his skill set it matches up well with everyone except maybe Aljamain Sterling. Except Aljamain Sterling and only if Aljamain Sterling is at the top of his game and Dillashaw is. Let's check this out. Aljamain Sterling wins, Sugar Sean wins. We now have a Sugar Sean Aljamain Sterling fight. How nuts would that be? So here's the thing, they they may not do that. Oh. He might not they might give Sean one more. Really? Yeah, because so here if Sugar Sean O'Malley beats Peter Yan, mm-hmm. that's like saying there's probably another three or four guys that he, up in the top ten that he can beat. Yeah. So why not milk it a bit before you give him the title shot? Mm-hmm. Right? You could milk it. So I don't I don't know if you, if immediately Sean O'Malley would get that that title shot if he wins. I really don't know if that'd be the case. Okay. It's, ti- it's timing too, right? It's timing too. We're at the end of the year. Like, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Well, let's move on to the, the main event. Oh. Oh. Charles Oliveira, the Bronx versus Islam Makachev. The second mm. coming of Kukbi, basically. So I've been waiting for this fight, man. I've been amped for this fight. And I'll be honest with you, six months ago, I was telling everybody Makachev's going to be the next lightweight champion. And I think he will be eventually. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's at UFC 280. Oliveira so. is just on a, just phenomenal lately. I, I don't see any weaknesses in Oliveira's game and the way he fights. It's unlike the majority of champions we've ever seen in the UFC. The closest thing I've seen to Oliveira in the way he fights as a champion is Anderson Silva. That's the closest I've seen. That Brazilian background. Right? Anderson Silva had this way of almost disrespecting his opponent by being so, like, brazen with his attacks Mm -hmm. and willing to leave himself open to do significant damage otherwise. That was Anderson's thing, and he used it to great effect, and it worked for the longest time until he lost a step. You know, he was just a touch slower, didn't quite have the same strength he had in his youth. And then it started to backfire on him. But right now, Oliveira is like, he's in maybe the the peak of his career. He has no issue leaving himself open, provided it gives him an opportunity to to, to go for a strike that would just turn your lights out. Mm -hmm. He's not afraid of getting taken down. Doesn't bother him the slightest. He literally dares people to take him down. Makachev Makachev is a one-trick pony, man. He takes you down. He establishes position and pummels you. That's what he does. You are correct. And he does it better than anyone, just like Khabib did it better than anyone. But Khabib didn't have an Oliveira to fight. That's the Mm -hmm. difference. So Charles Oliveira, the last person he lost to in 2017 was Paul Felder, weirdly enough. He fought three times in 2018 and won. He fought three times in 2019 and won. He fought twice in 2020 and won. 
he fought twice in 2021 and won. Fought once in 22 and won. And he has faced everyone from fighters that are boxing, fighters that are submission experts, fighters that are wrestlers, fighters that are jujitsu, fighters that just rely on their gas tank. Yes, he's 33 and 8, but he was young. And arguably, when he was younger, he was a foolish fighter. Watch the Paul Felder fight. Oh, what yeah. was he doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you knew you were going to be great, but your body was not there yet. Your mentality wasn't there yet. And then he matured. I don't know if it's when he had his kid. I don't know if what happened. But I don't see the same Charles Oliveira as I saw back when he fought Paul Felder in 2017. Now, Oliveira is also fighting because, you know, his title got stripped from him. It is what it is. So he wants that back. And I do feel like Islam is going to put up a great, a great shot. However, the level of competition that these two have faced to climb this mountaintop, difference. Night it's not even close. Difference. Yeah, it's not even close. Not even <laughs> close. And you know what? Maybe, maybe Islam can do it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shook, but I would definitely be like, really? All right, cool. It's one of those ones like, you know, if you had told me that, um, Usman was going to get killed with a head kick. I'd be like, really? I don't see it, but you know what? It's possible. It could it's one of those. Yeah. I'm going to put my money on Olives. I think Charlie Olives has this. I think he wants revenge. I think he's angry at the UFC. And I just think poor Islam is just in the way and is going to get murked. It, it amazes me that Makachev is the betting favorite. It blows my mind. Yep. Right. Like there are times where I'm like, well, you know, I could see it. Yeah. I, I, I sort of understand in this case. I, I seriously don't. I, I really don't. don't. No, it's almost like people look at him and they don't see Islam Makachev. They see Khabib Nurmagomedov. That's what they see. Yep. Right. So you got, so you got to give them the advantage because I mean, it's, it's just, it's Khabib, but it's not. It's not. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. And the other thing people forget too, is that, the Dagestani fighting style, it's been around for a long time now, mm-hmm. right? The MMA world is adjusting. To them. It's not like every Dagestani grappler steps mm-hmm. into the ring and automatically gets a win. Like some of these guys are getting dominated now because they're figuring out ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Oliveira is a smart fighter, seasoned veteran. He's got a great team. I just, I don't see him going in there and finding himself, you know, confused by how Makachev's, you know, attempting to hold him down. Like, I just, I don't see that happening. I don't understand. I, I don't understand how Makachev can be the, the favorite. I really don't. I don't. That's, that's the one thing that bothers me the most. And, but it also kind of makes me happy because it means if you're betting on Oliveira, you're getting better money, right? <laughs> you know, to a certain extent, like a bonus, you're going to yes. get better money as a result of it. But it just, it seems really disrespectful that, that Makachev is the, the betting favorite here. It is. It is indeed. But you know what? Time for me to bet on the underdog and make some money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, this is a good underdog card. Okay, It's a yeah. good underdog card. Like you've got Chikagian's underdog. Dariush is an underdog. I don't, I don't know how they've got it. I can't remember how they've got it between Sterling and Dillashaw. I think Sterling is still the, the favorite. But then Oliveira is an underdog. Like, come on. Now, speaking of underdogs. Yes. One fight I want to talk about on the prelims which would be a maybe even a, a co-main on any other card yeah. is Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Bilal, remember the name. I love Bilal Muhammad. 
Okay. I, again, there's another guy I'm a massive fan of. I'm a huge fan of Bilal Muhammad. And oh, yeah. just like I'm a huge fan of Benil Darius, he always gets disrespected by Vegas. He's always yep. the underdog. And he, and he, sometimes he's the underdog and he literally demolishes <laughs> the guy mm-hmm. that they, they favored against him. So I don't know why people keep doubting Bilal Muhammad. I really don't. I don't know. Maybe they don't like the way he looks. Who knows? But I like Bilal Muhammad. I respect his ability. He's extremely strong. Okay, he's very strong for the weight class. So it's like Sean Brady is a wrestler, and wrestlers generally have a difficult time with guys that are extremely strong for the division. Mm-hmm. And even though Sean Brady has fought Great opponents even before the UFC. This guy is no joke. Okay, He's no joke. He's undefeated. On top of being a great wrestler, he's from Philly, so you know he's going to have striking skills. <laughs> I like Sean Brady. I think he's great for the division, but I, I don't know if he's ready for Bilal Muhammad. I really don't. So that's another underdog that it's a real live underdog. Like if you're looking to make maybe put together a parlay, you got some opportunities here to to win some serious money at UFC 280 if you've got the the stones for it. Yeah, honestly, if you're if you just want to do a uh, a good old you know underdog parlay of like two or three, you might be okay with it. You know, okay, with Bilal Muhammad, do you want to play the what if game real quick? Sure. Okay, so we all know who the welterweight champion is, right? Yes, we do. Leon well, the, cur- the current. Current one. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember who he faced before he got to uh, uh, Usman? He fought Diaz. Mm-hmm. Who was that before that? Was it Bilal? It was Bilal. Okay. And guess what happened in that fight? <laughs> Bilal won? It was the eye poke. It was no contact. Oh, it was the eye poke. That's right. So my question to you, Kobe, the veteran watcher of UFCs and MMAs, if Bilal had beaten Edwards, would Bilal have faced Usman for the title? Probably not. Oh. Only because he didn't have the hype behind him yet. I love it. It's just like, this, this is so cool. Right? It's it's There's the hype train you got to look at. And again, there's a, there's a reason he gets pegged as the underdog all the time. No hype. He just doesn't have the hype yet. He just doesn't have the hype. That's okay. Right? Like, this is a fight that they can get him hype. You can, you can get some serious hype here because Sean Brady has so much hype coming in. Mm-hmm. So he's got an opportunity here to kind of, if he can put on a show... To maybe you know get a few of his detractors to to jump sides and realize this guy's real. Like this is no joke here, <laughs> right? So it's it's a good fight. Like there's a couple of good fights in the prelims, but that's a that's a sick fight, man. That's a fight that literally should be on the main card. That should be a main card fight, and I'm a little sad it's not, to be honest. But when you look at the main card, you understand, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I can't really argue with it. Maybe they should just had more fights on the main card. That's my thing. I feel <laughs> right? like this is the. This is the only UFC event that's actually worth the money. Yeah, it's sick. It's so sick. Like, like oh man, I just like so when I, when I think like we we're talking about putting together a parlay, mm-hmm. I look at it like if you were if you want to like kind of handicap some of these bets, what you could do is you could just do like little three fight parlays, but go with two blatant favorites and throw in one underdog. Yeah, because they're not real underdogs. Mm-hmm. Right, like if you're throwing in Charles Oliveira, do you, do you really feel like you're giving up a lot? Like I don't. <laughs> right, if you, <laughs> if you throw in Benil Darius again, I don't feel like I'm giving up much. So I'm doing this parlay right now. I'm doing Bilal 
Dillashaw, Charlie Olives, and one dollar will pay me five bucks. Five to one. Yep. You're taking a champion, someone fighting for the championship, and Bilal Muhammad. Yep. Okay, so here's one I want. Here, put this together for me. I want to see what you get. Yeah, give me two seconds. Just cashing my or putting in my. Yep. Okay, go on. What do you get with Oliveira, Peter Yan, and Benil Dariush? Uh, eight forty. Eight to one. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do I get with Oliveira, Yan, and Manon Fioro? So I'm just locking in that bet too. I'm gonna kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just putting in all the bets. That's right crazy. Now. That's eight to one. That's crazy, man. Okay, so where were you, what was your second or yeah second section? Charles Oliveira, yeah. Peter Yan, yeah. And Manon Fioro. Uh, this one isn't as good. We get four dollars and eighty five cents. Okay, but see in that case, that's that's two favorites and one underdog, and your underdog's Charles Oliveira. Yeah. So how how do you feel bad about that? Like you, you don't, you can't. You, like I'm gonna have to bet on this. Like I'm gonna have to place a bunch of bets on this on this UFC two eighty because it's just it's too juicy, man. And now to even kind of let's go the other way. Let's say we go favorites. If we do Islam, Aljamain, and Sean, one dollar is still four dollars and twenty six cents. Well, not Sean. Sean's not the favorite. Peter Yan's the favorite. Uh, no, not in this one. What? No, Sean O'Malley's not the favorite. No, sorry, not Sean. Not Sean. <laughs> sorry, I meant uh, no, Sean Brady. Oh, Sean Brady. Okay. Yeah. You get four. Yeah, but almost five bucks. Like, like shit, man. <laughs> just parlay. Like, literally, if you parlay four bets, you're going to win one of them, most likely, unless... It- That's right. The way the way it's set up, as long as you, you... You can literally sit there and figure out the combinations. Yeah. And, like, you know, if you bet... Let's say, let's say you use $5 as your unit. If you bet five bucks, yeah. how many bets <laughs> can you make that guaranteed at least one of them will break you even? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then if, if any of the underdogs hit, you make money. That's it. Right? Like you have to bet. Like this is an event you have to bet. If, if you want to just make some easy money, it's UFC 280. That's what it is. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.